Welcome to the Motherhood Uncut Podcast. In this podcast, Deb Rubin and I, Kate Kripke, bring to you all those conversations that, you know, you might have with your best friend or your sister or someone that you're just needing to talk about the real stuff in motherhood with. We're going to bring to you conversations that are going to make you laugh. (laughs) We love to laugh. Probably make you cry and cry in the best of ways move you, inspire you, help you feel seen and validated and less alone because from where Deb and I sit, none of us should mother alone. Please pull up a chair, grab a cup of tea, coffee, a glass of wine, put in your earbuds, go for a walk. And if you are inspired by these conversations, both conversations that Deb and I have, just the two of us, and also really incredible interviews that we have with other experts and specialists in the field of mental health and maternal well-being and women's health. If you find these worthwhile, please share with a friend because the reality is we really want to make sure that those moms out there who need a community and who could be uplifted or supported in any way that they find us. So thanks for being here. We cannot wait to mother with you. Hey everyone, this is Deb. This week, Kate and I had the opportunity to talk with Michelle Hands. She is an incredible woman who has spent the last 17 years working as a construction engineer in a traditionally male-dominated industry. At some point, she started to share her stories about her trials and tribulations and strengths that she learned from being in this job. And it has evolved into this incredible platform where she inspires women all the time how to get out of their own way and forge their own path and be these independent women that don't have to fall into a box. Anyway, she has a podcast. She sells tons of merch. She has a YouTube channel. She is a public speaker. I'm going to let the interview speak for itself, but we loved talking with her. We learned so much, and I hope you enjoy the show. Have a great day. Hey, listeners, it's Kate. So for our listeners, I am offering up a 30-minute free call. Zoom is ideal so I can see your beautiful faces so that I can chat with you about what you might need to access the kind of emotional and mental well-being that you are wanting in motherhood, both for yourself, right, so you can feel better, and also for your kiddos, of course, because what we know is that when we are healthy, we mother better. So find a link in the show notes. Come hang with me for a little bit and let's figure out what you might need to access that kind of life that you are really wanting. I really hope to see you and there's nothing to lose. Pop on a call with me. I'll see you there. Hey everyone, this is Deb. Oh, as we all know, the mother-daughter connection is like no other. It is intense and special and instrumental in both the lives of the mothers and the daughters. However, we know it can also be complex and challenging and even toxic at times. And when suddenly understanding your daughter can feel like the biggest challenge ever, we can feel scared and alone and disoriented. But I'm here to help. I have just launched my fall workshops, and I have a few different options, which I'm really excited about. You can check them out on my website at motherdaughterjourney.co. What I want to tell you is that I'm offering a few day-long immersive retreats, and I'm also offering a virtual deep dive on specific topics. The day-long options are hosted on Fridays, and if you're from out of town, you can make it a weekend in beautiful Boulder, where you can explore our majestic mountains and trails, eat amazing food and just enjoy the Boulder lifestyle. Please do not hesitate to contact me with any questions. If you go to my website, again, motherdaughterjourney.co, you can schedule a free information session. And I really look forward to hearing from you. Have a beautiful day. Michelle, we are so, so psyched to have you here for so many reasons. So welcome to the Motherhood Uncut podcast. One of the things that Deb and I we're really excited about when we first learned about you was your, well, first of all, you're just amazing. We, we liked you within like the first two minutes of meeting you on the screen, but your kind of your life story and what you do for a living and your mom, obviously, and also your commitment to really staying steady 
to what you know to be true about you in life and not have to sacrifice those things because you're a woman and a mother. And so that sounds very vague. We're going to have you jump in, but can you introduce yourself more formally? Tell, tell our listeners who you are, what you do in the world, and then we'll just keep asking you questions and we'll go from there. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. So, um, my name is Michelle and I'm in the UK and I've worked for 17 years in the construction industry. Um, and I guess that's kind of what's led me to the journey to where I am today. So at the moment, I'm still part-time in construction as an engineer. Um, I do content creation, but along the journey, um, I guess I became, I hate the word, but a bit of an influencer because there aren't many women in construction. Um, and so now I just spend my days trying to help other women and try and educate people about the industry, the culture and how we need to change it. And we need more women in the industry and we need more women to just think I can do that and, and whatever it is that they want to do in life to go ahead and, and, you know, forge their own path is kind of my motto as well as she who dares wins. Um, and yeah, I just, I just want to encourage people to, to step outside the comfort zone because I did it for a huge amount of time unknowingly that I was kind of forging my own path and um, it set me free a little bit even though it was quite a difficult journey. Wow I love that you are speaking for women that could potentially be stuck or getting in their own way. Um, yeah. Would you mind just launching in and telling us your story of how yeah, cool. you got yeah. to this place? I also want to it's like I want to tell you what's happening in my brain as you're talking because right. I think you're going to go into this with Deb's question and I imagine our listeners like I have an image of a construction worker in my head. Right. But it's not a woman and yeah. it's certainly not a pregnant woman who's going right. home to her children. So I would also love for you to in when you tell your story to sort of define what is a construction worker and I think there are all kind of all kinds of stereotypes around that but um, I want to make sure our listeners are all on the same page about what we're talking about here. Yeah sure so I my story is uh, I suppose a little bit less conventional Um, so I left university I did a degree in geography in the UK and I actually wanted to be an actress so crazy enough I decided as soon as I finished university to fly to Los Angeles and to train to become an actress and when I got there I realized that I actually wasn't very good um and I was probably more interested in the storytelling so I came back home and reality hit that I needed to earn some money and a friend of my brother's said okay you have some sort of skill here to perhaps go into the construction industry but into a quality assurance role so I ended up going, I say from rags to riches, but it's the other way around. I kind of went from Hollywood to ending up on a landfill site. Um, yeah. So I'm not going, you guys call them landfill sites. Yeah. 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 What's a construction site? Yeah. Construction no, site. No, no, no. So, so like, so you know where all your waste goes? Yes. yes. Landfill. Landfill. Yeah. Landfill. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like yeah. The garbage. Yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah. Yes. yeah. Yes. Gar- garbage. That's it. Right. Okay. So um, I started work on one of those and um, basically just was working on several different sites up and down the UK, just not knowing what I was doing, completely winging it. Um, but really enjoying it because I could travel in between and I still had an interest in film. So I was making short films on the side and realizing that I had a passion for storytelling. Now, whilst I was working in construction, I switched after about six years into engineering, which meant I was on proper construction sites. So my job was to read drawings and show guys um, and peg out. So like hammering stuff in and and show them where to build stuff and how to build how to build on site so it was very much I have to fight this because lots of guys on social media are like oh you know I bet she works in an office no I was I was down doing hard labor you had a hard hat on yeah yeah I was with the guys on site yeah every day there was no nice office I was on site every day so I did this for um well I'm up until last year um I was on construction site and then the last couple of years so my eldest is five years old and um what happened whilst I was working construction is I started sharing stories about how hard the culture is how tough it is to kind of be a woman 
on your own on a landfill site. And I was explaining to my friends all the things I was experiencing. And they were like, Michelle, this is not normal. And I was like, what do you mean? They were like, they had normal jobs. I say normal. Um, And they were like, it's it's not normal to be working with, you know, a sex offender or someone that's just come out of prison for doing manslaughter or, you know, and I was like, oh, right, okay. And because I'd only ever been in the industry, I didn't know anything else. And I started to look around and think, I've not ever worked with another woman on site and so things started to click and then the storytelling the passion for that came in and so then that's when I really started on socials with Instagram and YouTube I used to film myself on site and to this day all of the people all the companies I used to work for had no idea that I was filming and I wasn't filming the guys I was just doing a vlog so I was like here's me on site and I wanted to expose to other women that the job could be available to them as well. So that got really fun. I got connected to lots of people all over the world because lots of other women in construction um, would contact me and say, I feel the same. I've had the same experiences on my own. Thanks for sharing. And then lots of other women started to connect that weren't in construction, but also were in the same situation, you know, in other career paths. And then that's how She Who Dares Wins was born because one day someone said to me, you know, like, it's been a rough ride, but why do you keep doing it and I do absolutely love the job like as much as I talk about the dark side of things I love the industry and I just said you know she who dares wins like you just got to keep going and 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 so that's how that was born and then when I um, got pregnant with my first son I wanted to document to see if I could be a mom and work in construction and if the story ended with me being pushed out then that would be the story but if it didn't, then hopefully it would guide others coming through that, you know, it can be done. So I, then I had my second during COVID lockdown. Um, and because we were allowed to work on site, I actually worked until I was like 36 weeks. Wow. So yeah. yeah. And we had a heat wave. Um, oh. to, for, for England, it was hot. <laughs> nowhere else um but yeah so I worked and and the national newspapers picked up on it and they went with you know build a pregnant on site and um yeah just I've always just wanted to show others that it can be done but also I I tell the hard truth so I I, I'm not afraid to speak out on on how bad it can be and 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 what are some some of those hard truths that you experienced on site so um, the industry does attract, um, you know, it's difficult to say this without, I don't want to offend people, but it does attract um, a certain type of male um, when they're coming in to do like labor jobs. And I think everyone deserves, you know, a second chance, but there are a lot of, you know, ex-offenders that come into the industry and you don't, you're not made aware of it. And I think because employees have not had a lot of women working in the past, it's it's not really thought about. So I've been in a field on like in a field in the middle of nowhere where it's just myself and a worker who's we're working on like a, we're doing drilling and there's no one for miles. And then this guy just says to me, you know, I've just done 15 years for murdering someone and I'm 23 and just like. Okay, and there's quite a few of those situations where I've been quite lucky, but I hear and it's heartbreaking lots of stories from women that have messaged me over the years that haven't been lucky and there's been sexual assault and there's been some really dark things that have happened um, and they get brushed under the carpet. Um, Often the woman gets moved because they don't know how to deal with things. A lot of women that have gone through the same thing as me have been pregnant on site they just get asked to stop working or they don't get supported. Um, so it's, it, it's yeah, it's hard. And I think I was extremely lucky that I was a freelance engineer. So I ever only ever worked for myself working for contracts. So if I didn't like a contract, I would move. Mm-hmm. But I know people that are employed by companies can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And one, of, so one of the things I hear you describing and naming here you know and there there's of course you know we are a population where stereotypes abound and so you know I think we're naming here that there's a stereotype here and a generalization and you've had very real experiences that have sort of fit into some of this but one of the things I hear you describing is that you are a woman 
in an industry where there are a lot of powerful, strong men, right? Correct. Yeah. And so the the sort of what I hear you and the the question is, and I imagine the sort of dynamic is, okay, what does it look like to be doing your job where you want to feel an equal to, right? Yeah. And the job is in relationship with again, you've got to be strong to be in construction, right? Yes. And so you're you're a woman who is potentially also declining in strength as you become 36 weeks pregnant because you know you're making a little human in your body and you're surrounded by these other workers who are stronger and more powerful for you and than you and I think that's an interesting dynamic for women for no matter what the industry is is how does what does it look like to show up in a steady way in that dynamic to be honest with you that's kind of like the that's the most memorable part of my career is um, being heavily pregnant. So I, um, during my first, um, my first son's, uh, when I was, I was growing him, um, I moved into project management and it felt so empowering. And I used to joke with the guys and, and say, you know, I'm building two things at once. What's your superpower? Yeah, I love that. You know, it it was like, I was growing a human. I was so empowered by that, especially the first time around. And then also, building a project like it was the first time I took on crazy I decided to take on project management when I'd never done it before when I was pregnant um so hormones flying around but I think I I was I was incredibly lucky that time around well in both times actually that I had very supportive guys so I talk about you know the industry and the dark side of it but a good 80% of my career has been amazing. And I've worked with some incredible guys that have looked after me wholeheartedly. And during those times was when I was pregnant. Um, so yeah, it was it was very empowering. And that's, I think you your body kind of goes into, when I felt like when I was pregnant, my body went into like a survival, but almost like a powerhouse. And it yeah. didn't come with problems, you know, you're like, I was huge. Um, my first one and so like even bending down to pick up a hammer was hard right. um, but I think it's amazing what your body can endure and, and now my biggest comeback to guys is like I've been through labor like yeah. <laughs> that, nothing you do is going to relate to that <laughs> no and the pain and like there is nothing that there is just nothing physically when they're like, Oh yeah, but women can't physically. I'm like, don't even go there with the physical side of things because no. (laughs) That's beautiful. All right. I have a question. Um, so you, you really had like extreme different passions, right? This actress forming and that whole world in LA and then to like this rugged, you know, kind of just gritty badass is what I'm feeling. Yeah. Is that accurate? <laughs> yeah, very much so. Okay. So I'm so, you know, you were talking about being with people that deserve a second chance and that might seem seemingly scary. Um, what can you tell us something that you learned about yourself just being in situations with people that are seemingly scary? Like how you would respond and just how you noticed yourself? Yeah. So I have that's my dishwasher beeping. Can I All just good. Say- We're uncut here. We're good. We're good. One one second. <laughs> I, I think this is the first time in a podcast that someone's gotten up to turn the dishwasher off. You've got, got to do the dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> There's a the dishwasher. For you. <laughs> Otherwise it's just going to be beeping. Yeah. Um, yeah. So totally. I, um, I think I've inherited from my dad that I, kind of thrive in social situations in terms of I just love speaking to people from all walks of life and um, I've been able to do that in this job you are exposed to so many different characters and that's what I love about it and I think the full circle of trying to be an actress and and the love of storytelling really did come full circle because the one thing when I was um, training, they were saying, you know, you've got to bring all your life experiences into these characters. And I didn't really have that. I had a very privileged upbringing um, and working in construction gave me that. I was, you know, I, I learned so many things from working with guys and from learning 
you know, about people's backgrounds and how to overcome things. And I also kind of have a wicked sense of humor, so people say. So for me, it was um, a good way to, I suppose, exchange words with people and and just have a good time. Like the industry has a very fun side to it. So it is extremely dangerous. It is very, very um, fast paced. It's rewarding. Um, and I think you put, and it's, 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 there's, um, there's quite a lot of stress involved at all levels on a construction site. So when you throw that into the mix and you throw all these personalities, you either sink or swim. And in fact, the first job I ever had, the guy said to me, he was like, you've got two weeks. He said, you've got to prove yourself in two weeks, otherwise you're gone. And that was an ultimate challenge for me. And ever since then, it's felt like it's just on this constant, you know, trajectory of, of just the next job and, and meeting more people. Um, and I did have a period where I think I lost myself, mm. lost my identity, and I tried too much to blend in and mm. go into some, you, some jobs you go into like a survival mode. And I didn't really like who I'd become um and then I think with age you mature a bit and you realize I don't need to be blending in I can be myself and if people don't like that then they can you know go elsewhere oh wow hallelujah that is like such a metaphor of mothering well I was so funny because I was sitting here hearing you describe construction yeah and I'm like okay well it's actually such a metaphor for what motherhood is I mean motherhood isn't inherently dangerous the way a construction site might be, but we certainly feel like a lot of things in mothering are dangerous, right? So it's unpredictable. There's a lot of quote unquote heavy lifting, right? There's a need to be resilient to the all time stress coming in. There's so many different parts. There's the 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 anxiety high stress the high stress right like we could go on and on and I guess that leads me to really wonder something in what ways do you think you brought the skills you learned on a construction site into your mothering site I don't know like to be honest with you motherhood is a rough ride like yeah I have yeah you know I think I had a rough year post-COVID so not last year the year before in between my two sons where yeah I I struggled and I think it was just that realization that you have two humans to look after and I've never like when people used to say to me are you going back to work I'd be honest and say yeah because running a construction site or doing anything in that field is us so much easier than being a mom and and that's why I think that's why I'm really passionate actually about getting more women into the industry because the skills that you get as a mom that you have no choice but to get yeah (laughs) you know managing multitasking um figuring out the crap and then just doing exactly what you need to do can really work for any other career um so when someone says oh you know when you've become a mother your brain turns to mash and you can't go into no I would say if if it was reverse and you became a mother and then you went in we would just fly because the skill set is so vast um but it's also that figuring out like you feel, I felt like my 20s and 30s, I was like, okay, I've got this construction figured out now. I'm comfortable. And then I became a mom and I was just like, not comfortable, <laughs> not comfortable. Well, <laughs> and it doesn't ever come, does it? You, you talked about how one of the things you brought to the construction site that helped you relate to the other construction workers and to get through was humor mm-hmm. and yeah. having fun. And of course, yes, motherhood if we can't have humor and we can't find a sense of play, we're, we're going to get burned out real fast. So I think it's that it's like, so I guess we could go either way, right? You're mothering, you get to bring all of that into the construction work and also what you needed to do, what you brought, it sounds like it's true of yourself. It's inherent in you, but what you brought from yourself to the construction site to make it work, I imagine is also something you had to find in this hard job as mothering to make it yeah. work. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. And and what's also been quite a nice shift is 
working predominantly with men um I have a good group of friends but since you leaving university they kind of spread out over the country and I was I was I never really had a strong group of really close friends and yet as soon as I became a mother that changed and yeah like and that's been so nice for me because I was just I guess I was in this like I'm independent like I've got close friends but I don't really need and then you know school moms um moms where my children are the same age I just feel like it's opened me up um mainly because I think you need that support system yes someone that's been through it um and that's been incredible so it's been it's been a real nice turnaround now um I think I'm a little bit softer um in my approach to dealing with people I think the biggest thing that I've learned from being a mom that I take into my work now is empathy um trying to have you know more empathy for people and not just um shutting people down if I don't agree with how they're doing something um yeah it's 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 tough there's no manual for motherhood though so I'm still I'm still totally figuring it out no but you are sort of well we're all figuring it out (laughs) every day Uh, you you said some really key things though you you said community without saying that word like and that and to have to be able to ask for help and have you know instant people that you need in a different way I think that is like number one on the manual for mothering and just what you just said this empathy piece you know you I actually heard empathy in your voice the moment you started speaking around working with these men right that kind of can be characterized in like the negative world which we know is just one part of their life. It might've been one really bad choice. It, it doesn't define them, right? Decisions that get you to places. But I think that when we can really practice empathy with ourselves, with our kids, you know, with other parents, it's like, it's it does this thing where you said it softens you. I agree with you. It, when I can live in that place, it just softens everything. It like just makes it a little more watercolor of an yeah, image, you know. And I yeah. think it's like so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm left with another question, and that was when you said you lost your identity for a little bit. Um, which I think happens to, I think so many of our listeners can relate to. Would you mind sharing about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So I went through a year of, um, yeah, it, it was, it was, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say what it was at the end, but I went through a period of time where I started to have um, kind of like chest pains and um, I had like cameras down and, and lots of tests. And I went into this whirlwind of there's something seriously wrong with me and, um, went to the doctors and it was like, okay, you've got acid reflux, take these tablets. And I went on, yeah, like this spiral of nine months of there's something wrong. And at the end of it, um, I just started to change my lifestyle and what, now looking back on it I realized that it was all stress Mm. and I thought I was this powerhouse I was like I've I've been in construction like I you know there's no other industry that's as stressful as that and you know then I've gone through labor I've gone through COVID like I can I can the stress is something that doesn't touch me yeah and then I ended up in hospital thinking that I was having like a heart attack and the doctor just basically said to me, it was like, talk to me about, and he was like the first person after all the other doctors, he was like, talk to me about what it is that you do. And I was like, okay. So I, at the time I just bought a second house to renovate. Cause I thought that was a great idea to do with two kids and two businesses. And my husband was like pulling his hair out. Um, so I got two businesses, two kids under four and a house that I personally was renovating. And he was like, do you think it might be stress? <laughs> it's so interesting totally. how so many of us who think of ourselves mm. as capable and strong, that it's our body that tells us that mm. we're stressed before our mind, yeah. right? Like you may not have quote unquote felt stressed, right? Cause you were just doing what you know how to do, which is pretty badass in and of itself, right? right? Right. And yeah. then your body was the 
part of you that said, you have to stop. Yeah. I think that's really typical. Yeah. I mean, I've never been in construction, but I would say that happens for me. Like I can, well, you push through, I push through, but I guess I mean, like you might say to me, how's your stress level? And I might be like, totally fine. And then I'll be like, but my back really hurts. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's like, my body's telling me that I'm yeah. stressed before yeah. I'm aware of it cognitively and intellectually. I think yeah. that happens for a lot of people. I think it does. It's like the brain overrides it. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you have a vision of yourself and yes. a self-identity like you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And that, that kind of crumbled. Then I was like, I can't, you know, maybe I'm not who I thought I was. Maybe I'm not as yes. strong. And then, um, yeah, having two kids and, and also both my labors, I think I just, I was like, no, I've got through it, but both my labors were very like, well, they were terrible to be honest, both were forceps, lost a lot of blood. Um, so two really kind of like horrific labors after the first one, they were like, oh, the second one won't be like that. And then it was, I was just like, wow. um, so I think all of that crammed in and then, I guess the stress of still being in the industry and still trying to do everything as well. Um, yeah, crumbled. And then it's been a bit like building myself back up from that and slowing down and slowing down and enjoying. Like, I think at times I was in a rush to go back to work to prove that yeah. things could be done. And then I was like, what am I doing? Like spending time with my boys was so rewarding um and I had the luxury of being able to do that because my husband's got a very good job that you know he has a lot of spare time as well um so it's just a, a case of, of slowing down which I know is incredibly hard for some women um I know you guys in the U.S. you barely have maternity leave no slowing down in the U.S. is like sh shame yeah it's ridiculous it, it's like one of the only cultures that we don't have a siesta Although I have, I make siesta. But, but I... you're right. There's like <laughs> six weeks maternity leave. We have six weeks maternity leave. And actually not all businesses even pay for all no. six weeks. No, I mean, it's really, really bad. You know, yeah. you know what Michelle is reminding me of, Deb, is this conversation we just had in our most recent podcast about our kids, mm. about how we can have an idea. We're talking about, Michelle, about how as moms, as parents, we can have an idea of who our kids are mm. and lock, unintentionally lock them in that box, right? Like, well, my kid's so easy, or my kid is the artist, or my kid is the whatever, the sleeper, right? Or whatever the thing is. And then it doesn't give our kids room mm -hmm. to be multidimensional, full human beings. Yes. And that's part of what I hear you saying. You had such an image of yourself. I am the woman construction worker. I am the badass. I get crap done. And then the moment you started feeling more human, right? The moment you started experiencing the multiple parts of yourself, it didn't fit in to this definition of you had of yourself. Yeah. And it's almost like that's where the stress occurred, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. this almost sounds like the stress built up when you pushed away all these very normal human experiences you were having that you didn't see as having any place in your self-identity. Yeah. And I think that's, it's a really interesting point. And it's something that's embedded in me now to think about with my own boys. Like you say, yeah. we, we have this idea of where they want to go and it's kind of restricted. I did. I, I didn't know that I could have a career in construction. I fell into it. And actually I've spoken to my son's teacher and they do some really interesting research and they basically discovered that um, from quite an early age that girls don't consider any of these careers um, that they can do and the, and half the time it's because the parents don't have that conversation right. and it's 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 hard isn't it because you see like my youngest he's he's just about to be three and he's very good with a ball and I was like oh he's going to be into sport and then like for me that's been really hard because I, I did construction for so long and now I'm doing different things like you know I'm starting a podcast as well and and you know I'm writing more and doing more artistic things and it's really opened my eyes that, you know, we should be telling our kids 
or not even telling them just kind of lead their own path but then the mother instincts is like oh you know maybe you should and I saw it with my own parents it's it's hard and they said you will never understand until you become a parent like we just want you to be safe but to also experience you know it was like go to university university probably wasn't the best place for me um but it took me on the journey and then being stuck in one career maybe wasn't the best place for me and now I think we see a lot of 20 and 30 year olds that are experiencing this midlife crisis um, that used to be like the 40 plus and it's because society tells us to do you know like I felt like I had to go back straight into construction and continue on that journey and um, I think it's a really interesting conversation to have and I see now what's interesting is I've had two boys which I always knew was the case I'm going to be surrounded by men there was never going to be a, I just just knew it I just knew it um and I wasn't going to go for a third because it'd be a third boy um mm-hmm. and for me it's really interesting when I watch little girls and I watch parents with little girls and and the whole I've even done it myself I've been like oh such a pretty dress and you're like you know that's the things that are said that if we didn't say those things and we just said you know like oh you threw that ball really amazingly or you did um you know like you climbed with great resilience it, it, it's hard um but I think there's so much more we can do and I'm hoping as a parent I know I will because I think it's just something you do but I'm trying really hard to restrict on um I guess what we do is we narrow the options for them um in order to try and protect mm. And it's just about paying attention. And it sounds like you're really committed to paying attention to when you unintentionally keep your, sort of mold your kids in a direction. Because we we do, we mold our kids. Well, we gender For better, or for worse. Yeah, we, we genderize, but we also that. mold just based on our other conversation. And like character. if I focus on my kids' art all the time and say, you're so great at art and I don't focus on something else, yeah. She might be more likely to go into art. So we're doing this all the time without. Yeah, I, actually, I actually had um, it was quite it was it was my first kind of parenting like light bulb moment a couple of months ago. So uh, talking to the moms and uh, the kids over here, we start they start on stages with books. And I was always left behind as a kid. And um, I realized that my son had been on these colored books for so long. And I was like, he's not moving on and he's getting bored um, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be that parent that's like typing in every week to the teacher. We all know who they are. And I was like, that's not going to be me. I'm not going to do that. But it got to a point where he was getting bored of reading and lots of other parents were talking about different colored books. And then you're like, well, is, why isn't he up there? Like, is that, you know, does he need to be on that next level? Or sh- and, and then I was like, oh, no, I'm, now I'm being a pushy parent. But I sent the email. And so my son was sent home with the harder books. And um, on that first night, we started reading them. And I was getting really frustrated with him because he wasn't reading properly, but he was he was tired. And, and I was like, oh, no, he got really upset. And I was like, oh, OK, you don't have to read anymore. And I remember coming down to my husband and saying, I've, I've messed up. And he was like, why? I was like, because what I, you know, I thought because of social pressures that he needed to be moved on and didn't want him left behind. And I intervened. And now like he used to love reading. Now he hates reading. And what I actually did was sat down with him the next day and apologized and it was really humbling I was just like I'm really sorry um that I did that and if you don't want to read that's totally cool like we just won't you know we won't read and and um um, you know if you want to go back to the other books let's do that or if you just want to give reading a miss for a while and um he gave me a hug and he was like that's okay it's okay that you did that and um then my husband on the evening read to him and he read beautifully and perfect these harder books but for me, that was a kind of like, yeah, you, you've got to know as a parent when to rein it in and yeah. it's hard. Um, but yeah, that was quite, so I, I, I do apologize to my kids quite yeah. a lot. Um, oh, there's so many amazing. wins in that story. I just have to like point out a few because there's, that was so beautiful. First, I think that projection of our own trauma, we, mm we put on our kids unconsciously all the time. And it's, that's the point of these conversations is like Kate just said, is to just be aware, to notice it because we're, we're doing it all the time. And, and then to go repair what you did so beautifully to a five-year-old who will feel that will feel you coming down to his level and being like, hi, I, I made a mistake. 
I mean, I think that when, and I think that that is actually getting really common in the parenting world now where a long time ago it was so unheard of, but it's like this thing that most people can really understand and conceptualize and bring into practice of like owning it, right? Owning it. You're human, that you're imperfect and you got caught up and tangled up with your story around reading and being left behind and put it on him. And then, and then the last, there was other wins, but the last one I want to name is then your husband came in and had no energy around it. Right. And then he had a different experience. And then it's like, oh my God, it's like such a reminder of how much we unconsciously bring into a situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the thing for, for me as well, is like realizing when you become an adult, whether that be like 18 or I guess I properly feel like an adult in my thirties, but you realize that your parents don't know it all. And I think growing up, you always see them as they're a source of information. They know everything. And actually I quite like my kids to not always, but to challenge me um, when the time's right. Obviously that's a hard line to play when they're little Um, because we're still figuring out as well. So we're there to guide them, but only through our own eyes and our own experiences. And actually their experiences are going to be very different and they're going to learn different things and they may want to go into different avenues and, and they may challenge, you know, our perceptions that we have now in the future. Um, and that's great. So that's kind of something that I'm overly aware of as well, is that, you know, don't always like, yes, yeah, it's, it's guidance, isn't it? But without putting pressure on of, you know, my opinion is right. Like they need to go out and be able to discover that for themselves. Oh, that is really the story of my life right now. <laughs> I, I think that the statement, they're the two of the most powerful statements for us to be able to make in relationship with ourselves, but also with other people are, I'm sorry. And I don't know. Mm. And I think we think that strength comes from never making mistakes. So never needing to say you're sorry. Mm -hmm. So never being vulnerable. Right. And also having all the answers. Yeah. I think really what we learn as moms is that we make a ton of mistakes all the time. So the first one's out the window. And we don't really know much of anything. We don't, we're in a constant state of not knowing. So it's a really interesting place to begin to see those two things as brave and strong versus, you know, weak and failure-based or whatever. I actually am aware of something that, because we're really talking about modeling for our kids, right? And I'm so curious to know, I know that you're sort of not just doing construction right now. You're, you're doing other things as well, but you're modeling a lot to your two boys being, uh, have them having a mother who's sort of breaking boundaries and expectations in her career path and who is, you know, unwilling to quote unquote, just do what's expected of her and, and instead step into a way of being in the world that's in line with what you want versus what people think you should want. And I think that's really powerful. We both have daughters and we talk a lot about as women, what are we modeling to our girls who will be women? But I think it's interesting to think about as a woman, what you're modeling to your boys who will know women, you know, who will become involved in women, whether it's romantically or not, right? I, do you ever think about that as a mom in construction? I do. Yeah, I've, and, and what, what I find quite interesting is um, my husband, Tom, he is incredibly empathetic. Um, and, you know, my, my son had his like report from the first year at school um, the other night and, and he was in tears. And I was like, what, what's wrong? And he was like, no, I'm just so happy. I'm just so happy that he has got where he has. And, and both him and his brother, um, like it's kind of a role reversal in my house. So like I've gone out and worked on the construction site and he does the cooking. He's very motherly with our children and he's so 
like empathetic and he's really really the soft side of the relationship which is completely different to the whole industry that I've been in and men that I've been surrounded with he doesn't you know have an ego none of that he's he's um incredibly grounded and has utmost respect for women which I guess has come from you know the way he was brought up and the way that um his parents the values that his parents gave him so my boys I I don't ever look at them as I guess, like you said, it, it's it's quite a nice thing that they see me kind of like forging my own path and doing what what aligns with what I want to do. Um, because I always look at him as a super role model for them. Um, and yeah, like it's, it's funny because people will come to the house and they'll be like, oh, is that your dad's truck on the drive? And they're like, no, that's my mom's. And then they're like, oh, right. Is like your mom cooking the dinner? And they're like, no, she's an awful cook. It's my dad. So <laughs> in our house, it's so flipped upside down that I think it's great because I think just naturally I'm hoping that they will not have the stereotypical, you know, um, I'm the one literally last minute putting clothes into the washing machine saying, you know, <laughs> I forgot to wash the bed sheets and, and he's got the diary down. He knows where the kids are doing activities at school, the lunches, like he, he has the mom and I actually joke that my youngest Teddy, um, we realized that he, my husband was allowed, able to have um, three months maternity full pay because mm -hmm. he's a university lecturer. So when Teddy was born, I had started the business. So I was kind of working part-time and he had Teddy for three months and Teddy thinks he came out of Tom. Wow, I love the, it. The I bond mean, is so strong to a point where I'm like, hey, just to yeah. prove where inside <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you're teaching your boys what to expect from women, you yeah. know? We, we okay. admit, no, there's no boxes. Exactly. Yeah, and, and so I cool. think there is, you know, I think that's what we do. We taught, we did an interview with our husbands about raising daughters, men raising daughters. And we talked in that interview about how, you know, their relationship with our daughters in many ways, teaching our daughters what to expect in relationships with men. And that's sort of the same thing, right? In many Definitely. ways, you're teaching your sons what to expect in relationships with women. And you're showing up as this woman who's, you know, forging her own path and doing what she loves and, you know, being independent and self-created. And what an amazing thing to teach upcoming citizens of the world who happen to be men around how to think of women. It's, it's so just fair. amazing. Yeah. And I think I've got a few friends where, the husbands have taken a step back in their careers to help with the kids. Yep. And the women have, have, have gone on lead and, and really defied that, you know, normal perception of the woman stays at home and looks after the kids. And actually, it's been really positive from what I've seen, especially ones that have had girls, because I think they don't see the fear of you get a career and then it all comes tumbling down. Like, I think... Um, uh, yes I think it's really it is really important it's quite it's quite unique but maybe that'll be something that will change in the future wow thank you this has been just amazing and I just think you are like we've said you're, you're breaking glass ceilings and you're changing gender roles up and you know we've been talking very much in a hetero relationship context but like this is really about feminism and sexism and like and breaking it all down and so thank you for doing the work you do so much. A lot of times we like to end a lot of our interviews by asking, how do you take care of yourself? What are some of your little tools that you can share with our listeners about how you tend to you? Okay, so this has changed a lot recently. Um, I've changed my eating habits. So just try to eat real clean um take time for myself I you know enjoy reading so I take time to read I actually you know went a couple of months ago to it was like a shoe des winch challenge but I was like I'm just going to go out on my own to the cinema and that was really cool so I think getting taking time to rebalance mm. has been a priority for me as well as like the three core which is sleep with kids that's so hard um <laughs> sleep eat and exercise and I'm not gonna 
you know, say to people out there that I've got it all nailed because I don't, but I think it's become the simple things in life have become more important. Um, you know, I'm 40 next year and I realize that I have to start taking care of myself. Mm. What a beautiful, beautiful way to wrap up. I just noticed um, that your last name is Hans. I think I knew that, but I'm seeing it on the screen. And I'm always giggle when people have last names that sort of directly tell a story in their (laughs) lives. And so I also just want to say that, you know, Michelle Hans, you have really shown the women out there how to use their hands in life, right? Yeah. Kudos to you. Is why I kept it because my husband's name is Cornby, and I was like, I'm not changing my name to that. I'm keeping. <laughs> That's keeping a good hands. one. Hands is a good one. Yeah. Hey, tell you. tell our listeners how we can find you. How like what's next? How what's next for you? So what's next for me? I, I'm sure you dares wins across all like platforms, um, and I love connecting with other women like yourself so for me um my third season the podcast has been a slow burner and it's not actually been going for the last year I'm relaunching it with a studio having guests in and having women from all different um industries um you know things that you wouldn't even think of fighter pilots wonderful tell Um, us what it's called what's your podcast called it's she who dares wins. So yeah, it's all within the branding and um, I'm excited to kind of get that launched and, and yeah, I, I just love connecting with people and learning. So I'm still on this learning trajectory and by chatting to other women, that's going to hopefully help myself and then others. Amazing. She who dares wins. Uh, and I just love the concept for that podcast. I can't wait to dive in. Me we too. will have everything in the show notes. Um any final thoughts of words of wisdom? We talk a lot on this podcast about mama mentors and how we all share our ideas with people. Any final thoughts for any of our listeners? I guess if, if you're most of your listeners are kind of mothers, um, yeah, just say find your tribe if you can. Like, I think that's been really important for me. Um, and then um give yourself time and and you know listen to people like yourselves because what you're doing is wonderful you know you're giving a, not just advice but stories that people can learn from and um I think that's that's amazing um so yeah thank you for for doing what you do thank, thank you. you Michelle so great to talk to you have a beautiful day I will do thanks very much guys bye-bye Hey, you guys, it's Kate. We really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And if you did, go ahead and share it with a friend. It also would mean the world to me and Deb if you would take a minute and write a review. If this podcast makes you laugh, makes you cry in the best of ways, helps you feel less alone, gives you information that's useful to you in your mothering journey, if you write a review, it will make this more accessible to other mothers like you. So take a minute. We'd be so grateful. Thanks for being here. 